everybody and welcome to a massive edition, the grand final edition of Steve's NRL Footy Tips for 2020. I'm your host, Stephen Westway. I want to thank you guys for joining me all year and every week as we discuss all the latest in the world of rugby league. Um, and as many would have predicted at the start of this final series, the grand final uh, will feature the two best teams all year. First place versus second place, the Penrith Panthers versus the Melbourne Storm, the Panthers going on a 17-game winning streak. It's still going. They can take the record if they win this weekend's grand final versus a Melbourne Storm side uh, that are the ultimate professionals. Uh, could be Cameron Smith's final game. We're going to discuss that. Craig Bellamy, the super coach, leading the Melbourne Storm into their fourth grand final appearance in five years. So what a grand final is going to be. It's going to shape up to be an absolute classic game. It could go a number of ways. We're going to discuss all that live on the show. We're also going to look at my prediction for the grand final of the NRLW uh, competition. We're going to talk about the Dalian medals um, and the disaster that happened now Monday night with the leaked results. And we're going to look at the team of the year. And I'm going to name my team of the year uh, live on this show on this Thursday afternoon. But before we get into all that, please remember to like Steve's NRL, face, uh, NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. Uh, if you haven't all year, uh, please remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, wherever it may be. And I want to thank you guys for all your support this year. Uh, I made a Facebook post late Wednesday afternoon uh, where I discussed that last week's podcast was the best and the most successful edition of the podcast we've had all year. Um, and I appreciate all the support in this final series. Uh, we're going to be back bigger than ever in 2021. I'm hoping to have guests on. I'm hoping to have different opinions, different segments. Um, but it's a very exciting time for me. And uh, it hasn't been the easiest uh, thing in the world starting a podcast, um, especially a rugby league one, uh, amidst a pandemic. Um, and obviously, there's more important things going out there in the world this year, um, all around the world. But uh, the support has been absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I want to thank you all, you guys, again. And uh, Please stick with me. We've got uh, my season review will be at uh, mid next week, and then I've got free state of origin previews to finish the year. Um, so a lot of rugby league action still to come. Thank you guys for following me on the journey, um, and it's exciting times. Grand final week. Let's discuss what happened last week before we get in to my team of the year um, and the grand final prediction. Um, but it all started in finals week three on Friday night uh, when the Melbourne Storm defeated the Canberra Raiders thirty to ten. Obviously, I tipped the Raiders in this game. They were my premiership prediction from the start of the year. Uh, but the Melbourne Storm just completely blew them off the park. Three tries uh, in the first 10 minutes. Jesse Bromwich, Ryan Pabhouse, and Invunavalu scoring those ones. Completely shell-shocked and blindsided the Canberra Raiders, who admittedly, they didn't have the best preparation. Um, they weren't allowed in Queensland until the day of the game, which... Might have let them uh, left them a little bit jet lagged, um, and you know, might they might not have been on their game because we saw after that first twenty minutes that we got to know the Canberra Raiders um, that we had seen all year, the grindy team, the team that's going to stay in the fight. But, but by that point, it was already twenty four nil, so um, absolutely unbelievable. And Canberra just couldn't recover from that start. Ricky Stewart was filthy in the press conference, um, leaving it after only one question, but. Uh, Make all the excuses that you want. The Melbourne Storm were absolutely clinical and professional last Friday night. And um, if they start that way against the Penrith Panthers, there could be big issues for Penrith um, for the rest of the game. Because the Melbourne Storm, if they start like that come grand final day, it could be over very, very quickly. And the Panthers might not be able to recover at all. So um, 
they showed their class yet again, Melbourne and Canberra. It was a good season for them. Um, obviously, they lose John Bateman, his last game at NRL that we saw. Um, Rapana could be done as well after this season. Um, but overall, I mean, as I said, they were never in this game. Um, they didn't finish in the top four. Um, as you can see, both uh, first and second made the grand final. So that record of no team winning outside of the top four in the NRL history continues. Um, and they just would have liked um, to be a little bit more consistent and um, obviously have that first 20 to 30 minutes back of the match because, as I said, they were right into it. After the first 20 minutes, they actually won the game, um, I believe, 10 to 4 or 10 to 6. Um, so, as you can see, that start just completely killed them, killed any momentum they had, and um, Melbourne just got over the top of them. So, Canberra, better luck in 2021. They couldn't get it done in 2019 in the green final, and um, obviously they were in the final four this year. So I don't know if their premiership window has finished, um, but it's very disappointing for those Canberra Raiders fans out there. But as I said, Melbourne, too good. They showed their class once again. Heading into the Saturday game, and uh, another match that I predicted an upset for for the Rabbitohs were a huge chance against uh, the Penrith Panthers, who, of course, were on a 16-game winning streak. But it was Penrith that extended that winning streak uh, to 17 uh, with a 20 to 16 win over the South Sydney Rabbitohs last Saturday night, and uh, the Rabbitohs started this game off really well. Uh, quick Alex Johnson try set the tempo. Uh, Penrith scored quickly to counter that, and then uh, it turned into a bit of a DR affair. Both teams making a lot of errors. Um, the, the ball was very slippery, slippery by the look of it because of the uh, dew out there on the field, and uh, both of these teams couldn't really capitalize on the opportunities they had. Penrith Panthers were. Let's be honest, they were abysmal with ball handling and they lost a lot of football. They could have put the Rabbitohs away at several points throughout this game. The Rabbitohs looked completely fatigued um, after their last month of football. I mean, it was a massive effort for them to smash the Sydney Roosters to come back against the Knights and the Eels, but they showed that they didn't have much left in the tank. Um, But to South Sydney's credit, they really hung in and really fought in this game and showed you exactly why I thought they were a chance for the upset. Um, And then it... Turned out the game was, uh, you know, in the balance. It was 20 to 16 with two minutes left. Adam Reynolds lines up a 40 20 attempt on the last tackle that no one saw coming. He almost pulls it off, but his foot was on the 40 meter line. So they didn't get one last opportunity to attack the Penrith Panthers. But uh, overall, um, as I said, both teams didn't make the most of their opportunities. Penrith managed to grind out a victory, but it wasn't easy. And um, in my opinion, we saw a little bit of weakness there from the Penrith Panthers, a little bit of inexperience. Um, show, but they did what they needed to do, so credit to them. Um, Nathan Cleary really stepped up when the game was on the line. Isaiah Yo, a fantastic try, but looking back at this game, it was actually three tries all, and it was goal-kicking that was the difference. Adam Reynolds uh, missing one early. Uh, I believe it was the last try that he missed from the sideline, and then he had a penalty goal early in the game that he that he shanked as well, so um, usually a fantastic uh, kicker of the football, goal-kicker Adam Reynolds. He had a bit of an off night, but he he tried to step up and attack him, and Cody Walker were trying to create opportunities, but the South Sydney forward pack was just very fatigued. Um, they lacked go forward, Souths. Um, they tried hard, but as I said, at the back end of their season, a season that a lot of punters and pundits uh, didn't really give Souths any chance for, they made it to the final four, um, and they really showed that they're a team that's, um, you know, they're going to try to grind it out. They're going to try. They're never going to give up. They're always in the game. They just couldn't get it done at the end of the day, which is a little bit worrying for the Rabbitohs because they're now one out of six uh, from preliminary finals in the last nine years. So they've been in six of them to get into the grand final. They've only made the grand final once, which, of course, um, they won and broke the 43-year uh, 
Premiership triads. But um, you've got to be disappointed that they, yet again for the third year in a row, couldn't make the big dance on Dream Final Day. Uh, as for Penrith, as I said, they're a 17-game winning streak now. They did it without Kikia. Um, but it's going to be a bit completely different kettle of fish going up against Melbourne on Sunday night. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to get to my match prediction for that one soon and my NRLW prediction. But first, let's get into the Dalian medals and let's name Steve's NRL Team of the Year for 2020. So the most prestigious award ceremony of the year in the National Rugby League took place on Monday night uh, when the Dalian medals were named. Um, a little bit different to usual because of COVID-19. They were named in studio with some guests appearing uh, digitally. Um but obviously, there was the controversy of uh, the Daily Telegraph and Buzz Rothfield in particular. His name was all over the headlines, leaking the winner just as the show was getting to the air. Um, and I saw it a little bit late, but uh, it leaked everywhere that Jack Wyden was the Dallium medalist. That did turn out to be true, um, and so did all the points that were contributed to each of the players. So uh, they had a bit of issues there on Monday night, the NRL. Um, it was a very big stuff up, and it's it's something that really shouldn't happen. I mean, I don't know how the Daily Telegraph are getting results. I don't know if the NRL are telling them beforehand and how they're getting the results, but these are the biggest wards of the year. Um, you don't see this happen in other sports, and the NRL needs to really fix that. Um, we're going to get into their team of the year at the moment, um, but obviously a lot of controversy around Jack Wyden winning the award over Nathan Cleary. I thought Nathan Cleary had a fantastic year, and he definitely is my pick for player of the year, um, which is my first award that I'm announcing. Steve's player of the year is Nathan Cleary. Um, Jack Wyden, absolutely phenomenal in 2020. Every time Canberra Raiders looked good, it was on the back of Jack Wyden um, and Josh Papali. But I don't know if he was the player of the year. We're going to get to the individual positioning awards and their picks versus my picks. Um, before we do that, we'll just look at the other awards that were presented on the evening. Uh, the Proved Summons Award went to the New Zealand Warriors um, and their... Uh, courageous and uh, brave performance to play their season in Australia for 2020 and not be able to go back home and see their families all year. So they absolutely deserves uh, that award, the New Zealand Warriors. Fantastic effort to keep the NRL going. So all credit to, to them and they had a really good season. Uh, actually, the Warriors finishing, I believe, 10th. But they, um, they managed to get some good wins uh, back-to-back near the end of the season. The NRL Rookie of the Year award went to Harry Grant. He was probably the only... Real option other than Stephen Crichton for the award, and um, I'm happy with that. I could have could have made an argument for Stephen Crichton getting it as well, but uh, overall very happy for that award to get to be given to Harry Grant. So I agree with that. Captain of the year, Roger Tuivasa Shek. Um, obviously, again, it was given because the Warriors have been been so brave in 2020, and Roger's been an inspirational captain. He admittedly didn't play his best football in the first half of the season, but uh, he really stepped up in the second half of the season, and uh, he was done after round 19. He wasn't playing round 20. They offered to send him home to his family um, after he suffered a minor injury, but he decided to stick it out one more week with the boys and stay in um, in Australia and in Sydney, so I've got no problem with uh, RTS getting the Captain of the Year award. Um, he could have made some other arguments, like Clint Gufson um, or Isaiah Yo, but overall... Uh, sorry, Isaiah Yo, James Tamo, but overall... Um, a deserving award for RTS. The coach of the year is Ivan Cleary. He was the obvious choice for me. The only other um, person you could even consider, in my opinion, was Craig Bellamy. But Ivan Cleary's done a phenomenal job with Penrith. As you can see, they're in the grand final. They're playing fantastic football. So um, that was the obvious award. Um, 
The Ken Irvine medals uh, for top tries for and top points for the year went to Alex Johnston uh, with 20 tries and Adam Reynolds uh, with 191 points, both from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, that 60 to 8 win against the Roosters helped them there. The VB Hard Earned Player of the Year award went to Jake Rovich and To Harris. Um, no arguments there. They both tried their ass off each and every week. Um, Headline of the moment of the year was the NRL restart. The try of the year, Tony Staggs was dragging round 15. And the tackle of the year, uh, Josh Papali, his ankle tap on Jamil Fogarty versus Gold Coast in round 15. Both very good moments. Check those out. The female player of the year, Ali Brigginshaw, she's always fantastic. Um, and then we've got their try of the year, uh, Madison Bartlett and Henna Southwell um, had the tackle of the year in the NRLW. So all fair awards, no real problems with any of those. Um, their team of the year versus my team of the year is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, the Dalian medals named Clint Gufson their best fullback of the year. For me, he is an honourable mention. Had a really good season. Um, led the Eels by example all year. And uh, in my opinion, as I said, he could be considered the captain of the year, um, in my opinion, because he's really led in the front and been the Eels' best player all year. I don't, however, think he is the fullback of the year. And my fullback position of the year, Steve's fullback of the year for 2020, um, he's going to go to James Tedesco. Um, obviously, the Roosters struggled in compare, comparison to the last two years, but I think Tedesco is a very big shining light for the Sydney Roosters team. Um, when they were looking good, it was on the back of Tedesco, and he had some fantastic performances, particularly one against the Bulldogs early in the year where he absolutely destroyed them. Um, but overall, a very good year for James Tedesco, um, and I think he's very much warranted in that award. Another honourable mention going to Caelan Ponga. I know he's got a lot of flack this year, but in my opinion, when the Knights looked good in 2020 or when they wanted a bit of a run at the midway point of the season, it was on the back of the efforts of uh, Caelan Ponga. But uh, Tedesco, in my opinion, definitely deserving of the award. Um, great season. I mean, you look at his stats for the year. 11 tries, 15 try assists, 232 metres per game off an average of 23 runs. Um He's going to be an absolute weapon come the State of Origin Series if he's fit to play game one. But uh, I don't think there's any disputing that he's still the best fullback in the year. Even though the Dalian medal went to Clint Guffson, I can see why. Um, James Tedesco is my fullback of the year. Going to the wingers now. and uh, Well, the Dalian is named David Norfoluma and Josh Adokar, their best wingers of the year. Um, mine are pretty similar. I've got David Norfoluma and Alex Johnston as my two wingers of the year. I think that uh, Norfolk absolutely deserves it. Fantastic try-scoring record this year. He was easily the Tigers' best player, and um, to perform like that in a team that continues to underwhelm really every year, um, and sorry if you're a Tigers fan, but they've made two finals appearances in the last 10 years, but Norfolk um with the ball in the hand, an absolute freak, um, scoring tries at will, and always there to, to provide a hit-up and make some metres for his side, um, it was an absolutely outstanding effort uh, by Norfolk Uber. In 2020, in my opinion, he definitely deserves his spot there. 17 tries, 7 tries, just 19 runs for 179 metres per game. Absolutely deserved it. Um, my other pick, Alex Johnston. Now, you might have a problem with Johnston because he missed some football this year. And um, but, when he, but when he was on the field or when he moved back to the fullback position, he even struggled to make the team at the start of the year. South Sydney didn't want to re-sign him. He has proven everybody wrong. Been an absolutely weapon, absolute weapon this year. Recaptured some of that 2014 Rookie of the Year form. Um, and he scored 23 tries in 22 games, including five against the Sydney Roosters. Um, 111 metres per game. Um, his defence at some times can be 
questioned. Uh, but overall, Alex Johnson, a fantastic player and a great um, a great addition to the South Sydney Rabbitohs team. I'd have Josh Adokar as an honourable mention. Also, uh, Josh Mensal and Brian Tuo, the Penrith Panthers wingers, can't um, can't go under the radar because they've had a, both had a fantastic season in 2020. All right, moving on to the centre positions. Um, hopefully, this doesn't go too long, me naming these teams of the year. I'll try to get them through as fast as I can, and then we'll get to the grand final prediction. But in the centres, uh, Tony Stagg and Stephen Crichton were named the Dallium centres of the year. My centres of the year are a little bit different. I've gone Zach Lomax and Campbell Graham. Um, from the St. George Lord Dragons and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Zach Lomax, in my opinion, easily, apart from Kevin McInnes, easily the best Dragons player this year. And um, he just found a way to elevate his game to different levels. Another player where his defense is questioned sometimes. But for the Dragons, Lomax, so many times in 2020, has made things happen from nowhere. I mean, they didn't, they're not great in attack, the Dragons, but he just made... As I said, made special moments and magic moments happen all year. He scored 13 tries, 7 tries, just 101 metres per game. And I think his defence was really on the up. And uh, Brad Fittler's obviously rewarded him with a uh, New South Wales jersey, or at least in the extended squad. Um, as for Campbell Graham, another player where I think the start of his year, his first month or two um, of the competition, uh, wasn't fantastic. And the Dragons, in particular, in one year, one um, moment in the year, one game really exposed him, um, especially in defense, and scored a number of tries against him. But he's a player that's con- constantly improving, and his second half of the year was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he played 21 games, 13 tries, just four tries, 14 runs for 136 points per game. And ever since that Dragons game, absolutely outstanding in defense, and I think he's uh, another potential future New South Wales player. Um, a great season with Campbell Graham. Nothing against Katoni Staggs and Stephen Croydon, who the Dallium medals uh, were given to. Um, but I think Katoni Staggs suffered from playing the Broncos. Stephen Croydon, absolutely outstanding year. He was an unlucky admission in my team, but he's probably the next best, in my opinion, in the center position. i also give a shout-out to Bradman Best. He had a really good season at the Newcastle Knights when he was on the field and not injured. All right, moving into the Haas, which is uh, obviously the two of the most... Um, debated positions in all of rugby league and the five of the eight the year the Dallian medal went to Jack Warden um, who as I said had an outstanding year um, he also got the Dallian medal which we've already discussed and every time the Raiders looked great it was on the back of Jack Warden um, I disagree I'm going to give the award to Luke Keary um, I am also naming a bench so don't worry Jack Warden's 100% on the bench um, but for him to get the Dalian medal, I found very baffling because, in my opinion, as good as he is and a great player, and if you listen to this podcast, you know how much of a Jack Wyden fan I am. Fantastic in the centres for New South Wales. Um, had a fairy tale year last year. Deserved the Clyde Churchill medal. Fantastic year this year. Um, but, in my opinion, when Luke Heary was on the field of the Roosters, the Roosters just went to another level. Um, his try assist and everything he contributed to the Roosters is absolutely outstanding. I know he's been criticised at being a little bit too small um, and, you know, obviously having concussion and injury problems and sometimes he might not be the most reliable in defence. But there's a reason why he's won three premierships. Everybody called Cooper Cronk the guy when he was there and he definitely was. But Luke here, he really runs the show now at the Sydney Roosters and it showed in his performances on the field throughout the year. If you look at his stats, I mean, 22 games played, two total tries, 22 total try assists. He just knew how to get his team in position um, and and make moments happen when they were struggling in attack. Luke Keary, no doubt, is the man. And obviously, they might be moving on Kyle Flanagan, but I think he 
was the 5-8 of the year over Jack Wyden, who obviously is a much more running center. Um, but for me, um, Luke Heary sets up more tries, uh, sets up more opportunities um, for tries than Jack Wyden does. But they're both very different players. And I would have Jack Wyden as the running 5-8 in my New South Wales side before I had Luke Heary. But if we're looking at the overall 2020, I think uh, Luke Heary had more of a contribution on the Roosters than and Wyden might have had a camper, even though, again, outstanding year by Jack Wyden, but that's just my opinion. Moving on to the halfback of the year, Nathan Cleary got it from the Dalian medal. He's also getting it from me. I said he's my player of the year, absolutely outstanding season, um, everywhere that he needed to be was, and um, he's a superstar of the game, and he could be for many years to come. We're not going to spend too much time with him. We'll talk about him more in my grand final preview, but in my opinion, without a doubt, um, the halfback of the year, Nathan Cleary, all right, moving on to the props. Um, the Dalian medals named Josh Papali and James Fisher-Harris. I've also gone, gone James Fisher-Harris. He's one of the most improved players in the NRL for mine. Absolutely outstanding in both attack and defense for Penrith all year. And he really got Penrith on the right foot um, when they needed him to all season, um, making those hit-ups when he needed and um, you know, really, really starting their sets off well for him. Josh Papali, another player that was fantastic and definitely one of Canberra's best. And um, obviously he, this year, chose to start from the bench sometimes. That was impact, and sometimes he chose to start. I haven't got him in my team of the year, but he's definitely the the honorable mention when it comes to the props. I've actually gone Payne Huss, um, despite the Broncos' season, always one of their best players. Um, I mean, he is a, he is a player of the future, but he's also a player of the now, and he's, got a, he's the guy that's going to have responsibility on his shoulder um, for leading this Broncos forward pack for the next 10 years and get, helping getting them out of the slump that they currently find themselves in. So um, all the credit in the world, Payne Huss. If you look at his stats for the year, I mean, um, 175 metres per game for uh, 17 runs per game. He also, you know, made uh, a hell of a lot of tackles. Um, I can't see the average tackle here, but I think it was about 30 or 40 average tackles per game. Great season with Payne Huss. Uh, those are my props of the year, Payne Huss and James Fisher-Harris. The Dalian medals uh, went Cameron Smith as the lock of the year. I tend to agree. He's one of the greatest players of all time. Always tries his best and always good for 40 to 50 tackles a game and a try to assist a try assist or two per game. But the influence that he has on this Melbourne Storm team um, cannot be understated. He's one of the best to ever do it. And uh, he's potentially playing his last game this week. Um, obviously, it was another hotly contested position this one. You had Appy Corusia that could have won the award. You had Damien Cook, who's form in the back of the season, outstanding. Harry Grant was the rookie of the year. Um, and Cameron McInnes, you know, the Dragons, where he's hooker or lock, always does his job well. But for me, Cameron Smith is one of the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit at the start of the year, but he's still, he could play another five years of rugby league if he wanted to. Um, he is that great of a, of a hooker and a fantastic leader for the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the Dalian medals, uh, second roles of the year was Kikia and Tohu Harris. I've got Kiki out there. Um, that basically speaks for itself. I mean, absolutely damaging run of the football. Um, he's one of the best line runners that I think we've seen in the rugby league for you know a decade. Um, always finding holes. Um, always so damaging that every team, no matter what team they play, they struggle to shut down Kiki. My only kind of issue with him is sometimes he can be quiet in his games, and I I question some of his defense sometimes, some of his decision-making. I, mean, in fact, think Melbourne Storm might be able to capitalize on that, but he deserves his spot there. Toe Harris was the other selection. He's on my bench for my team of the year. The Warriors' best player without a doubt in season 2020, an absolute workhorse. 
Makes 40 tackles a game, makes 150 metres a game. But uh, for me, I've got Ryan Madison from Parramatta as my other second row of the year. So um, I'm going to kick out in Ryan Madison. I think he's an absolutely outstanding player, Ryan Madison as well. So um, and my lock of the year, Isaiah Yo was their lock of the year. Also my lock of the year, one of the Penrith's best. Um, most improved player in the NRL. Absolutely outstanding. And it was highlighted by his try um, that he set up um, on Saturday night to win Penrith the game. He's always there in support. Um, always handy for an offload and uh, great for runner meters, great for busting tackles. Um, Isaiah Yo, complete package of a footballer, and uh, he's going to be rewarded, I'm sure, with a New South Wales call up himself. So, um, just to recap my team of the year, I've got James Tedesco as my fullback, North Luma and Alex Johnson as my wingers, Zach Lomax and Campbell Graham as my centers, uh, Luke Keary as my 5'8, Nathan Cleary as my halfback. My props are Payne Huss and James Fisher-Harris. My second rollers, Philly Arme Kikia and Ryan Madison. And my lock of the year, Isaiah Yo. My bench, if I had to make one, would be uh, Kalen Ponger, who I've already talked about. Jack Wyden, Tohu Harris, and Jerome Luai. Um, I know I've got three backs there, but Jerome Luai, absolutely outstanding season. Another one that had to be in the conversation for 5-8 of the year. I hope that wasn't too long, and I hope that didn't go too much over time. But that is my team of the year. Hope you guys enjoyed this segment. Let's move on to my prediction for the NRLW competition. And let's then quickly uh, go straight into my grand final prediction between the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. All right, the grand final of the NRLW uh, will kick off the grand final celebrations at AMD Stadium on Sunday afternoon at 4.05 p.m. when the Brisbane Broncos try to go for three NRLW titles in a row against the Sydney Roosters. Uh, the Broncos, the only previous winner uh, of the first two uh, competitions. They're gone, as I said, for a free Pete. And these two teams actually played last weekend with the Broncos emerging victorious in that one. Um, I believe the score was 24 to 16. Um, but uh, obviously a different story this time. It's the grand final. Hopefully the Roosters got to scout their opponents in the Broncos because we all know how strong they are in this women's competition. Um, outstanding. Um, every match they've ever played in. Upton at fullback has been a revelation for him. Um, Ali Brigginshaw, their halfback, um, inspirational leader. With McGregor there in the halves, they're looking pretty well. Um, from what I've seen this season, they're just a well-oiled machine. They started a little bit slow against the Warriors in the first week of the women's competition, but since then, um, been absolutely outstanding. And the Roosters um, have been the surprise package of the NRLW competition this year. Um, they're doing their, their job very well as well. Um, they've got you know, some stars in there like Southwell um, and Howard and McGregor as well, called McGregor. So uh, a lot of talent across the board and what I've seen in this women's competition uh, makes me think that it will be a pretty tight match, this one. I've actually got the Roosters with the upset against the Brisbane Broncos in the grand final. Um, the Broncos, if they win every year, we don't have much of a women's competition. As I said, I'm a big fan of hopefully um, extending the season for the rest of the year. And for that, we need competition in this women's division um, instead of one team dominating. So I'm going to go to the Roosters for the good of this competition. I'm going to go to the Roosters by six points, but I think um, they are definitely capable of an upset um, just based on the fact that they get to see the Broncos play uh, last week. They got to see them and play them face-to-face last week. So hopefully they saw a little bit of the weakness there. Obviously, I haven't seen you know a huge amount of NRLW competition. I haven't seen all the action this year, but I'm a big fan of the game. And... Um, I'm going to tip the Roosters in the upset uh, to start Grand Final Day. Let's move on to my NRL Grand Final prediction. 
All right, the main event, the game that we've been waiting for all season, uh, the NRL Grand Final being contested by the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. It all kicks off at 7.30 from ANZ Stadium this Sunday night. Uh, let's look at the tail of the tape now. And these two teams, they've played 35 games against each other, and it's the Melbourne Storm with the 26-9 advantage. Um, they've been absolutely dominant over their 22-year history, and um, they're in a position once again to win the green final. The Penrith Panthers, they're, of course, coming off a 17-game winning streak. Um, the Storm have been in four of the last five NRL grand finals. The Panthers have won uh, only two out of their past five against the Melbourne Storm. The Storm have won three out of five, but it was the Penrith Panthers that took home uh, the spoils this year when these two clubs played each other. In round six, it was the Penrith Panthers 21-14 to against the Melbourne Storm. Obviously, the Panthers are coming off a 20-16 to victory over the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and the Melbourne Storm are coming off a 30-10 to victory against the Raiders. If we go to the sports bet and TAB markets, all your betting agencies, and they've all got around the same odds. Um, it is the Melbourne Storm that are the favourites for this match. Um, they are $1.70. The Penrith Panthers currently $2.25 as of Thursday afternoon. This game is promising to be a thrilling contest. It could go many different ways. Um, we saw what both these teams um, had to offer last week, and obviously it's a different ball game this week. Um, but as I said, the Melbourne Storm, they were absolutely dominant against the Canberra Raiders in the first 20 minutes. And in my opinion, the first 20 minutes of this game are going to be uh, so important for both clubs. I mean, Penrith Panthers, they're historically fast starters. Um, but most, I think it's about 80 or 90% of their matches this year. Most matches, they score the first try and come up, come out fired up. Um, but for the Melbourne Storm, if they start how they started uh, last week, then this game is going to be very much um, in their balance in the first 20 minutes of this matchup. And I think the Storm will be the team that comes out with the advantage. I mean, they're professionals. They know what they're doing in grand final situations. Penrith Panthers, with their inexperience, they could take a little while to get settled in this game. So I think the first 20 minutes are so important um, if you're a Penrith Panthers um, a fan or supporter or player because I think the Storm are going to be carrying all that momentum to start the game that they, they had against the Raiders last week. And... Um, the Panthers have to show up and have to be ready for the fight of their life. So, or the Storm could score a couple of early tries and this grand final could be over very quickly um, just based on their experience. And if the Storm get to a you know 12 or 10 or 12 or 16 point lead, then I don't know if the Penrith Panthers have what it takes to track that back down and, and win the game. So the start of this match is, as I said, it's so important. And Penrith, well, they've won seven in a row. They're going to be very excited for the opportunity. But... As I said, pretty much there's not many players in that squad that have green final experience. Um, and I think they could take a little bit of a while to settle into their game. So you could see the nerves last week against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They didn't start particularly great in the first five minutes, but then they got back into their rhythm and did what Penrith had been doing all year. Um, their completions weren't great last week. They've named a very similar squad this uh, week as they did last week, with the only real difference being kick out. Um, coming back into the starting lineup after being suspended, Kurt Capewell, who had a few bad errors last week, he's going to go back to the bench, and they're going to, uh, at the moment, they're starting Brett Naden and putting Tyro and May back to the bench after a late swap um, any hour before kickoff last week. So, um, as I said, Penrith, they need to start this game off well if there are any chance. Um, for Melbourne, they're named basically the same side that defeated the Canberra Raiders. Dale Finucane's still on the bench, and 
Look at the energy that he brought last week. They, he really lifted Melbourne when they needed to lift when Canberra just slowly getting back in the game. He was absolutely outstanding last weekend. And um, that you look at the bench and you look at the bench between these two teams and the Melbourne Storm bench is so impressive. They've got Brandon Smith, Tino, um, Dale Finucane and Nico Hines. The experience that Smith and Finucane bring and Big Tino and Nico Hines um, their energy that they bring to the side, absolutely enormous. And I think that's an advantage that Melbourne hold over the likes of May, Capewell, Leota, and Tenovato. I just think Melbourne's got a little bit more depth. So um, obviously this game is going to be decided by the big players. Um, whoever gets over the top of the other team early in the forward battle is really going to dictate the terms of this game. But it's such an interesting battle when you look at the battle of the halves. You've got Jerome Luai versus Cameron Munster. Um, you know, the, the Australian... 5-8 versus the electric energizer bunny in Jerome Luai. And then in the halves, you've got the calm, composed, in my opinion, the player of the year, Nathan Cleary versus Jerome Hughes, who has revolutionized his game as a halfback. I was critical at the start of the year saying, I don't know if Jerome Hughes is the man to lead this Melbourne Storm side, um, but his kicking game has just evolved and he's got a running game. He's always had that, but his organization skills and his playmaking skills for the Melbourne Storm have come leaps and bounds in 2020. And that game, that matchup is going to be huge, um, whoever has the better kicking game. Um, so we'll see we'll see what their forwards allow them to do because we all know the talent of Nathan Cleary and Jerome Lua and that harsh combination. But if Melbourne Storm's forward pack, guys like the Bromwich brothers, Kefusi, Christian Welsh, um, these guys have so much experience. If they can get over the Penrith Panthers forwards early in this game, then Penrith could be in a lot of trouble um, because... At, you, you can't just leave it for Cleary, Lua, Dylan Edwards, these guys to do all the work and make moments happen. Your forward pack has to lift on Green Final Day and really give them an opportunity to be their best. Um, and it's going to be on the shoulders of their captain, James Tamo, to really left, lift this side. Um, we know that they've got so much talent across the board, especially in the forward pack. you got Liam Barden, who's just a fantastic kid. Yo's having the best year of his career, without a doubt. Kikia, the energy that he brings, the explosiveness that he brings, but they need a way to get that because, you know, let me tell you right now, Kikia in particular, he's going to be a marked man for these Melbourne Storm forwards. And that battle, as I said, is going to dictate the terms of their match. Uh, terms of their match. If the Panthers can't get out of their, their half, then there's not much that Cleary and Lua are going to be able to do. Um, so... It could be the young forward pack of Penrith that can get over Melbourne, but I just see Melbourne's experience winning out that battle, and I think that Penrith are going to be under a lot of pressure for long periods of this matchup, and it's just going to be about how much resilience they can they can take. If, as I said, if Melbourne score a couple of tries early, then uh, this game could be over quickly. But both times Penrith have been minor premiers, they have won the premiership, and this side is young, it's full of energy, it's hungry. You know they want it. But so do the Melbourne Storm. They've been in four of the last five grand finals, but they've lost 2016. They lost 2018. Um, they won 2017, but this team's hungry after you know three years of failure. They Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith. They want to. They want another premiership. Their name. Cameron Smith wants to go out with a high. Um, and you can see how frustrated Melbourne have been in previous years and they've lost. I reckon they're going to be up for this game. I reckon they're going to be ready for it. And I think that it's going to be very hard to go against the Melbourne Storm if you're tipping and if you're betting. Um, but obviously, you've got to be aware of this Penrith side. They've won 17 games in a row for a reason. If they're up for it and if they're at their best, um, 
they're going to be a threat. But I just think that Craig Bellamy's men, with the lack of experience that this Penrith side has in big games, if they even see a tiny weakness, especially in the fence from guys like Jerome Luai or Kiki that have been exposed a little bit so far in this final series, even one of the outside backs, whether it be Croydon or Naden, if one of these guys make a bad defensive uh, decision, then Craig Bellamy is going to have this Melbourne Storm team and Cameron Smith as well, who basically acts as a second coach to Craig Bellamy out there. They spot a tiny weakness. You just know that Melbourne are going to take a complete advantage of that and they're going to make Penrith suffer. So um, I want to see Penrith win. I think it'd be fantastic for the game of rugby league, but I just see Melbourne being too strong in this one. I've got the Melbourne Storm by 16 points in the 2020 Grand Final. Um, but I think if they get in a roll early, the score could be anything... Um, and again, yet again, if Penrith start the game and get off an early lead, then they're right in the game. They could cause a huge upset, in my opinion. They're only 225 in the tab, but I think they should be paying more because they might be on a seven-game winning, 17-game winning streak. But I think if they win this green final, it will be a huge upset because, as I said, this Storm team, they've been prof- the most professional team for a number of years now. Um, they make Craig Bellamy makes just unknown players into absolute superstars. And he started again with Papahiasen and Luai and Munster. You just know they've got all, they've got four IPL all over the park. Um, Melbourne that can match the Penrith Panthers for IPL. And I just think that their experience in their fence is going to be too much for this Penrith Panthers side. I have the Storm by 16, but obviously the sentimental pick is the Penrith Panthers, but I just see the Storm being way too strong in this one. All right, so that is my NRL prediction uh, for the Grand Final for 2020. It's the Melbourne Storm by 16 points. As I said, guys, I've got uh, four more podcasts before the end of the season, three State of Origin predictions, and next week, about Wednesday or Thursday, you'll have a uh, season in review video where I recap each team's performance in 2020 compared to how we thought they were going to go. I might even look back and look at my terrible... uh, ladder predictions and see how wrong I was. I know for a fact that I don't think I had Penrith in my top eight, and here they are in the grand final. So um, 2020 has been a crazy year, that's for sure. Before I go, um, I just want to mention um, once again how fantastic the support of you guys have been. And um, really, it's just been amazing what we've been able to accomplish here in 2020 in terms of fixing the sound quality, in terms of... uh, gaining confidence as a podcast and getting my name and brandy out there and i want to thank you guys uh, because i wouldn't be able to do it without you um as i said we're going to be back bigger than ever in 2021 um my bet of the week before i go um i know some people uh like uh sometimes paying out my bet of the week sometimes it gets up sometimes it doesn't if you're looking at the clive churchill medal market which what we were looking at last week you'll notice that cameron smith um is paying about Depending on what market you're on, anywhere between three fifty to to four fifty. Um, and in my opinion, he's an absolute shoe in for Clive Churchill medal list. I mean, he's most likely playing his final game of rugby league ever. Uh, he's never won a Clive Churchill medal. Um, and we know in the past the NRL have given it to the sentimental favourite, whether it was Sam Burgess in 2014, uh, Jack Wyden last year um, after his performance, even though the Sydney Roosters won, he got the award. Uh, or Billy Slater in the State of Origin Man of the Series back in 2018. He only played two games this, that series. The New South Wales won the series, um, but he got man of the, he got player of the series. I don't think it matters if Melbourne win or lose this green final. As long as Cameron Smith plays that 80 minutes and has a, a usual Cameron Smith-like performance, I think that he's a shoe-in for this medal, and I think if you guys want to make some money, put some money on Cameron Smith 
as a Clive Churchill medalist. Trust me on this one. I think it's an absolute shoe-in. Obviously, Nathan Cleary is his biggest competition. If Penrith absolutely destroy the Storm and Nathan Cleary has the game of his career, then he'll win the award. But if it's a close match um, or if it's a Melbourne victory of any kind, um, then Cameron Smith's an absolute shoe-in for this award. And I think four bucks is amazing odds, um, especially when you can see he hasn't won a Clive Churchill before. And that's something the NRL is going to obviously have a, uh, heavily advertise heading into this game. Of course, the possibility that could be his final match. Imagine the uh, imagine the headline: the Melbourne Storm win the premiership, and Cameron Smith wins the Clive Churchill um, medal in his final NRL match um, as the most caps player in rugby league history. So, um, I think it's a shoe in. Uh, but yeah, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. As always. I'll see you guys next week for the show. Enjoy the grand final. Um, It's been a long build-up. We're finally here. Um, Sit back, have some beers, um, have a barbie, um, and just enjoy the match. And if you're going, um, be safe, and uh, hopefully your team gets up in the grand final. But uh, we'll see what happens. I've got the Storm by 16. Have a good weekend. Enjoy it.